Welcome to Keep Calm and Homeschool On with Jesus. It's a Godcast episode, and I know I promised you a homeschool episode. I was out of town and, oh my goodness, did not get it done. It has been wild and crazy over here, and so I'm just doing my best. Um, But I really wanted to do this podcast episode because it is our very first one talking about our first week of our Bible reading plan. So really excited about this. I've got lots of different things to talk about that are on my heart. Um, There's going to be some background noise. I was supposed to record this last night and was exhausted. And then I was up half the night with my daughter who had some sort of an ear pain issue going on. So Literally, my eyes are closed right now while I'm speaking. I am so exhausted, but I've got meetings happening, and I'm like, I'm just going to make this happen. Um, So some background noise. My kids are awake. I've got a heater on. I'm cold. I'm just going to be cold until I sleep, and that's just reality. Um, But also, I am going to be actually clicking around on my computer and reading some stuff as I go in our Bible reading plan because it's going to spark my memory and there's just so many things that um, I want to I want to just kind of zone in on. This is a little different than last week. I was thinking about how I could approach this and I I mean this may you know develop as we go because we have a whole year together. Um, so but I was thinking about how I was going to approach this and different than my last week one where I was able to just choose a topic and verses that supported that topic and just kind of stay on focus with my points, this is different because we're hopping all over the place and we're reading so many different scriptures and I could do one podcast off each individual scripture and so I'm more or less just going to be having a discussion and I think that this will um, help us to be on the same page and give us an opportunity. If you are doing this read through the Bible in a year plan with us, um, then please come and comment on this. I would love to have you comment on this post. We can discuss. We'll also discuss in our Facebook group underneath the post things that stood out to you, what you think about different things. So we can kind of engage back and forth about it. And if you are not doing this read through the Bible in a year plan with us, you don't have to. Absolutely. Um, It is totally free. You can find it on my blog. You can find it on this podcast episode. I'll make sure to link it as well. So, and even if you're behind, it doesn't matter. It's a grace-based one. You can just hop in where we're at or just just start at day one and check off the next box. Okay, so let's get started. I have my coffee and I'm going to take a sip right now to give you guys an opportunity to get yours. All right, so I don't know if anyone is using these daily bread sheets. I obviously printed mine out with the daily bread sheets. I do actually have this idea in my head of putting together um, a monthly magazine where we have our Bible reading, we have um, pages for journaling, and then we have different articles and encouragement and pictures and different things. Don't know if it'll happen, but I just think it'd be amazing. And that would totally be something I'd be into. It'd be like, okay, here's our Bible reading plan for this month. Anyways, so, but... um, where am I going with this? My brain is all over the place. I have been using those and really enjoying them. And I wanted to just zone in on those for a second because some of you I've seen asking in the group, how do you use these pages? How do they work? Um, you can use them however you want. I use that top section just for notes. I scribble out a couple things that stood out to me. That's literally all I do with that. Prayer and praise. Sometimes I say what I'm thankful for. Sometimes I put prayer requests. Um, scripture memory work. I am writing out the same verse every single day. My goal is to, I'm using those verses that I chose in those um, 
sort of the spirit pages, the battle cry at the back. And so for me, those are this month, I'm kind of focusing on overwhelm. And so when I face that, because there's so many things in my life that I have to do and I get overwhelmed, then I want to have verses, not just that are there, but that I have memorized that I can use to target these specific areas in my life. So the first one that I am doing is Philippians 4, 6 to 7, and I'm doing it in the Passion Translation because it just speaks to me so much. Um, It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests to God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 4, 6-7. So every day this week, I have written this scripture out every day and I just keep writing it out and keep writing it out. I mostly have it memorized because I have not done it auditorily because I was on the plane or I was, you know, traveling then I, it's not fully, fully there. So I'm going to give myself another week. Um, but then I want to add to this because it just goes on and on. Philippians four is such a powerful chapter in the Bible. And so I want to continue and just keep memorizing from there. So that's how I'm using it. And that's the verse that I'm focusing on. And because it's the verse I'm focusing on it, it, for me, it tied in specifically when we got to Job in the Bible reading plan. So we'll talk more about that. And then the actionable steps are just things that God is laying on my heart that I feel like I'm supposed to do from either the reading or from my time of prayer or for me a lot came out of that Philippians verse and it came out as I just continued you know it's this meditate on the word of God day and night as I continued to think about it and ponder it and because I had memorized it it was working on memorizing it it was fresh in my head and every time I came across something it would come back to me and so that in itself was such a powerful exercise that I I really encourage you to do it. Choose a verse, write it out every single day. We get our kids to do copy work, do copy work. Copy it, copy it. You're going to memorize it and it's going to help you to meditate on the word of God. And then throughout the day when you're focusing on different situations, when different things arise, you have that and God will show you new things in that. So at the beginning of the week, what stood out to me versus at the end of the week, what stood out to me, God was still revealing new things to me in that passage. And I have been writing it out all week long. So I love that. I love that. And I think that it's, it's really powerful. So mine are sketchy. They're messy. Sometimes there's blanks. I'm using it as a tool. Um, don't feel you have to fill it in or make it pretty. It's a tool. So I wanted to just touch base on those days daily bread pages. All right. So when I was thinking about this podcast episode on the flight home, um, I was just out. So we were in Nashville. We got back Monday night at about one in the morning and then I was home for six days. And then I flew out with my two middle children to Kelowna, which is about, I don't know, it's, it's about 15 hour drive from here. So we just flew out quickly on Sunday to get them. Um, they had a, a psychological assessment for some, some struggles that they're having in school. And so I flew out. They had that on Monday, flew back yesterday. Um, and I'm just, you know, still living out of my suitcases, trying to get unpacked. It's been crazy, but I've had time on the flights to to ponder some of these verses and where I wanted to go with this podcast episode. And like I said, it's really hard to tie any sort of continuity into this because we're bouncing around. But one of the things that stood out to me the most, and I love, I love, I love, I love in reading about the beginning of, of our world is the wonder, awe 
and wonder. To me, if I have to choose a theme of what what is the beginning all about, I know that there's lots of different things that happen, but it is awe and wonder. I can hardly fathom it. There's so many differences between back then versus now, and I can hardly fathom it. It, it gives me this new insight into who God is, and I love it because there's no answers for it. And people try. People try to come up with answers, and to be totally honest, it really annoys me because we weren't there. We don't know. And I way prefer to have the awe and wonder. And I love talking about it when it is that excited, oh, it could be this or it could be this. I wonder, I wonder because it fills you with the fear of the Lord. It fills you with a scope of, of how amazing he is. And what we see today is, is just, just a taste it's just a taste. So I want to share some of those things that really stood out to me. You may have picked up on some of these. You may not have. There may be other things that filled you with awe and wonder, and I would love for you to post about those. Um, but I just want to share a few, and this is where I'm going to be clicking around a bit. You'll hear my computer because I'm actually going to look all the way back through. Specifically, Genesis is where I see the most of this. I love it. I love from the very first verse. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is ESV, by the way, that I'll be reading from. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So I do believe, I'm a young earth perspective, and again, God is going to be the one to answer this at the end. I wasn't there, so I actually don't know. But I, I do believe that when God says there was evening and there was morning, he's being very specific. I do believe that he created the world in six days. That being said, I there was something here before, guys. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The deep what? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There was water. There was something here before. And so I find that fascinating because we little humans sit down here and we're like, how old is the earth? Would God create it? Are you young earth? Are you old earth? Are you? I find it fascinating because did he, I believe he created the world in six days. I absolutely believe that. I think he was really specific. That being said, there was definitely something here before. And I just, I find it fascinating. So to me, that's one of those things that I don't want an answer for. I love the awe and the wonder, and I can't wait to go and ask him that. Another one, in verse 11 of chapter 1, it says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. God created plants on the third day day. Okay. This is before there was the sun. This was before there was water. Now here's proof of that. Let's go to chapter two, loading, loading, loading. Verse five, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And the mist was going up from the land and watering the whole face of the ground. So it goes on and, and that is where he, he creates man. This is the sixth day. But I, I absolutely find it fascinating. I find it fascinating. So he created, he created plants before. And for me, this is another one of those things of why I believe that it's six days because he created plants before there was even light. He created plants before there was even water. And so if there was, you know, thousands of years in between there, then these plants would not have grown. <laughs> that being said, there was still plants. And I, I mean, he says the earth brought them forth, but there was still, there was no bushes. There was no small plants 
they hadn't sprung up yet because there was no rain. And so God had caused this mist. I mean, what a wonderful thing. What a, can you imagine? Can you imagine just this, this mist all over that God had caused to water the ground? Okay, here's even more interesting. Ah, oh, I love this. Verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so two things here. Number one, God caused every tree that was pleasant in sight and good for food to spring up. Like, think about that for a second. It wasn't just, okay, here's food. I've planted food for you. No, it was, I planted a beautiful garden. Look at this one. It's, it's, it's a, I imagine there's a cherry blossom tree somewhere in there. The most beautiful tree. And it is just, it's for pleasant for sight. I created this for you and this beautiful thing. Here's what's more fascinating to me is that the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. It doesn't say the Lord God caused a garden to come forth. It doesn't say he spoke. It doesn't say like the other ones were, yes, it was so and every, every plant that was good came up out of the ground. No, 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 no. He planted it. I can't even fathom that. To me, I'm like, God, I, like, did you actually literally go and plant? Did you actually work and plant the ground, the seed? Did you do that? Or, or like, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how that happened. But he's specific in other ones where he says he said this and it was so versus here it says he planted a garden. And to me, I just, I'm like, I have this picture of God actually doing work on our behalf and thinking and planning of this one's beautiful with this one and, and this food here. And, and actually just like we plant a garden for beauty and for food that he did that for us. And I just, I can't even fathom that. I can't even fathom that. To me, that's just one of those things that is awe and wonder. And I, I want to see a movie one day about how that happened. <laughs> so I really, really love that. Okay. What else? All right. Also in Genesis one, it is Genesis one, um, 28 to 31. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. I love this because we see this picture of, first of all, in the beginning, we were vegetarians. God created not just people, but animals as well to be vegetarians. Like we, we ate plants. God was very specific that I give you this. And what's interesting is that because throughout this week, we got to read all throughout Genesis, you see that change. I believe it is around Genesis um, 8. Let me see. The flood subsides. All right, here it is. It's Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis 9, he's blessing Noah and his sons. Um, and, and you see the similarity between the beginning, what he says to Adam and Eve versus here. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. So the difference between every green plant shall be food to you to every living thing that moves. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. 
but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. So I, I love this because you see where that changed. You see where in the beginning, God, God's original design was, I give you every green plant for food. I give you every, every fruit tree. I give you, a, you know, all of these things for you for food. However, after the flood, and probably partly because of the difficulty of, of now and everything being, you know, trying to find and, and make food would have been really difficult starting from scratch. But, but still, you see where that changes and where God now says, I give you every moving thing, everything that has life in it, I give to you for food. So anyways, I found that interesting. I, I find it super interesting to see the beginning and how we were created and the differences between today. You guys, there's so many things I could go on and on and on and on. All right, let's go to Genesis 3 in the fall. So now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that God had made. Like, like just for a second, just think about this. God made every single living thing. God made all the animals, but specifically the serpent. Now we know that, you know, we, we see that the serpent was Satan, but, but he's saying the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. The serpent was also, God created a very intelligent animal. It was the most intelligent animal that he had made. It was the most intelligent. It was the most crafty. Um, now, secondly, he says to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're having a conversation. They're having a conversation. The woman didn't say to the serpent, oh my goodness, you're talking to me. That's insane. No, the woman talked to the serpent and said, well, he said this, but you know, that's that's why. And so that's why we do it. Wait, wait, wait. You're having a conversation with an animal. So what does that mean? To me, I, I'm, I'm all of a sudden just captured with wonder because I'm thinking, was, was this normal? Because when Balaam's donkey spoke, that was a normal. He was shocked. It was this huge thing. But Eve was not shocked. Eve was like talking with the serpent. So it makes me wonder what was so different back in the garden versus now. I just, I find it absolutely fascinating. I find it fascinating. What did the serpent look like before? Because, I mean, it was cursed to crawl on its belly. So before that, obviously, it must have had legs. I just, I just find it fascinating. It's just one of those things. It's wonder. We don't know. We don't know the answers to that. I find it interesting. One of the things that that stood out to me, and and it's, you know what? It's one of those things you read. There's a lot of controversy about it. A lot of people don't like it. We tend to avoid it. But you get into it. Um, we got into it with chapter four to seven, you see it here actually in Genesis six, when it is talking about the Nephilim and it's talking about the sons of God saw the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. And so that's where God said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in with the daughters of man, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So I, I, I find this again, one of those things that I don't, I, I don't desire to try to wrap my head around this or try to come up with an answer for it because we don't know. A lot of people, um, believe there's some people that believe those were angels or some people that believe that, um, that those were just, you know, a, a stronger variety of human or whatever. I mean, there's lots of different opinions and beliefs about that. What stood out to me was specifically where we, we see in the Bible that God says the sons of God versus where we see in the Bible, the, the, um, son of man or the, or the daughters of man. 
Um, I don't proclaim to know the answer to this, and it, it, I'm not super comfortable with the thought of angels and, you know, all of that thing. I'm not. But what I found interesting is because we're doing this chronologically, if you go to the beginning of Job and it says that the sons of God came and presented themselves before God and Satan also came and presented himself, says that in Genesis or Job 1, it says it again um, in the next chapter where, okay, again, the sons of God came and presented themselves before God. This must be a thing that happens where they come and present themselves before God and basically give an account. And so, you you know, he asked Satan, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been going all over the place. Have you seen my serpent or my servant Job? And so I found it interesting just to see that correlation from sons of God to sons of God. Um, I don't proclaim to know what it means, but I find this fascinating. The reality is, is that the world of the beginning was so vastly different from the world of today. And we base our understanding of God on what we see today and what we understand today. This is what God does you know or what we believe as far as scripturally it's much more easy to look at acts it's easier to look at the gospels it's easier to see okay through the life of jesus this is normal this is safe miracles happen that's god okay we believe that he can do the miraculous but when we look back on some of those things in genesis it's so beyond our comprehension. It's so beyond our understanding. It's beyond what we see. It's beyond what we even really talk about because it's just a verse about that. And it's just like, wait, what is that? But that's it. That's all we have. That's all the information we have about it. And so I love the awe and wonder. I love the mystery. And instead of getting caught up in it and feeling like we have to have all the answers or debating about it amongst ourselves, I want to just look at that and say, I have an awe and a wonder about who God is. And it gives me, it breaks my boxes and my boundaries of I'm trying to limit or trying to understand God because I just can't. When I read the beginning, I can't because there's so many things that are just beyond my comprehension. Oh man, I could have just picked out everything, but I want to leave you with this sense of, of, of just questions and, and loving the questions, if that's all there is. And I would love to hear what stood out to you. Genesis chapter 11, the tower of Babel. This always sticks out to me. This always sticks out to me. Babel, Babel, whatever you want to call it. Quite frankly, we don't know how to pronounce it because we weren't there. We weren't there. Um, okay. So now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. Again, you see that distinction, children of man. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them come let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech so the lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city therefore its name was called babel because there the lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth I love this story, such a little story. And again, we have so little answers for it. We have this picture and the way that we teach it to our kids is they had pride and they wanted to reach heaven and they wanted to reach God. They wanted to build a big tower. Reading this again, I don't actually see that. Janiah, no, no. I don't actually see where they're trying to build a tower to reach God. They wanted to build a city and they wanted to have a tower that went up high. They wanted to tie like a skyscraper is what I'm imagining in my head. And, and so I don't fully think 
I, I don't know. I don't know what, what was the purpose behind that? What was, why did God disperse them? Because they were working together because nothing they did would be impossible. Maybe because he wanted more diversity and he knew that they wouldn't disperse because they all spoke one language and they had gathered together. They had all come together in one place. So I don't know. I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I find it fascinating. And I find this idea of God being the author of language. I love that. God is the author of language. And the fact that he dispersed them over the face of the earth. Again, maybe he just caused them to want to go forth and make new places, but maybe not. It says he dispersed them. Like, it's for me, that's so many questions. That's so many how. How did he disperse them? Janaya, you need to get off that chair right now. I'm in the middle of recording. Off the chair. Yeah. Um, so I find that fascinating. I find, oh, uh, anyways, I could go on. I literally have lists and lists and lists, but I have lots to do. And so I'm not going to, um, bringing this into Job. One of the things that stood out to me is, is the idea of, we started reading in Job and like from the very beginning, it was the fact that, you know, while he was still speaking. So all of this stuff, as soon as Satan was released to come and take away all of the blessing that God had given Job, he came and he, you know, while he was still speaking, the servant came up and ran. While he was still speaking, he lost all of these animals. While he was still speaking, the servant came up and said, you've lost all of this. While he was still speaking, I can't even fathom that. I can't, like that is, it puts into perspective the difficulties that we face. Nothing can compare with that. Nothing can compare with that. That is just the ultimate example of everything in your life, losing everything. And after losing everything you have, then even your health and your, you know, all of that, like you, you lose everything, the desire to live, you lose it all. And so I love this picture of Job and seeing him in the midst of adversity and his wrestle through that and, and how God is still good, I think gives us so much insight. I think Job gives us so much insight into who God is and the sovereignty of God and the faithfulness of God, despite what we see and the goodness of God, despite what we see. And you know, that whole thing of how, when bad things happen, is God still good? Do, does God cause things to happen or, or no, he doesn't want anything bad to happen. And, and yeah, I love this because it gives us some pictures into it isn't always, it isn't always, always, always God allowed that. God allowed that to happen. He allowed it to happen to Job. And so truly surrendering is not just saying, well, God, God is good. Therefore I will only live a good life. No, it is, is look at, look at, look at in, in the gospel where Jesus is, what Jesus walked through, what Paul walked through. He did not promise us a good, easy life. That is not part of the promise. And if we are basing our understanding of the goodness of God on that, I mentioned that in last week's podcast episode, but if we are basing our understanding of the goodness of God based on the goodness we see and the goodness we perceive and the goodness we walk in, we are going to miss the boat. We are going to misunderstand God. We are going to put him in a box because that is not true. That is not true. We are going to have hardship. And so this is where it tied into the verse. And I loved this because here I'm, I'm, I'm coming towards the end of the week and I'm copying my verse out. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. And I had this idea of, of Job, despite everything he was going through, despite the difficulties he was going through, despite the fact that that didn't necessarily go away, 
we can we can tell him every detail of our life. We can be saturated in prayer. We can discuss it with him. We can still give God our faith-filled requests, but he doesn't promise he doesn't promise that all those requests are going to be answered. Instead, he says the peace, God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. And it was this idea that our our victory, and I talked about this last week, and God's just been just showing me more and more about that, is that our spiritual authority, our victory, when it says it's under our feet, doesn't mean that we won't experience it. Instead, it means that we have the peace of God, which transcends human understanding. And so we can walk in things, and it doesn't have to sway us. It doesn't have to impact impact us. We can have things happen to us and it doesn't take away the joy of the Lord because God's peace that transcends human understanding. That's our answer. That's our victory. That's our authority. That is the covering that we have when we offer our request to God. Not that everything's going to happen, but that we can walk in that. So that's what stood out to me the most in this week um, was seeing how God was bringing what I was what I was working on for my memory verse that's very applicable for my life right now, and that He was tying that into this picture of Job and saying, you know, look at this and look at everything that He faced, and use this as an example of of when you are facing the overwhelm, when you are facing that, to don't stop, like don't let yourself go there. Instead, focus on Me. Have gratitude gratitude, a thankful heart, and offer with faith, a faith-filled request. And yet, despite all of that, what you're looking for from me more than anything else is peace. That's what I give to you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. His peace. And that is our answer too. And just all these pictures of these times when when you know you're worried about something and you're worried about this and what should I do and you stress and you're worried. And, and then when you really actually come down to it and you pray about it, the answer is actually usually found in peace. Has anyone else found that? The answer is found in that you're praying about something you don't know, you don't know, you know, well, there's this and it's that. And you're thinking of the pros and you're thinking of the cons. But deep down, there is this overwhelming sense of peace with the answer. And it may not even be what you want the answer to be but you just know you have this deep peace, not, not worried, not worked up, but a peace. And that is where the answer lies. It is not necessarily that he's going to answer everything with words is that he's going to answer these things with peace with peace. So if there are things that you're facing in your life, if you're going through difficulty, if you're going through questions, if you're going through uncertainty, I feel like for us, what I want to grab onto with this is I want to continue to um, memorize and work on Philippians 4, 6 to 7. And I would love to have anyone join me in that. But to to remember that we aren't necessarily looking for our problems to all be fixed. Though, I mean, he says, offer it up. Offer your faith-filled request. Pray continuously. Be saturated in prayer. I love that word. Saturated. Thick with prayer. Pray constantly. Ask him. Don't stop asking him. Have faith. Have Be thankful for what you have. Thankful. Gratitude. 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 And then search out that peace rather than allowing yourself to get worked up and caught up and pulled in different directions or worried because that isn't where our answer lies. Our answer lies in the peace. So I encourage you guys. I bless you guys. That was my biggest thoughts from this past week um, of reading. We have much more to come. We're going to be focusing in more on Job's life. And, you know, I'm, I'm just excited for that because I love, love, love the end of Job. And so stay tuned, stick with us. And I would love, like I said, to hear your thoughts on this last week of um, passages that we read, what stood out to you, what impacted you the most, and what God was teaching you through this because he's going to be speaking to us all in different ways. So please, please, please come to the Facebook group, chime in, 
and or come to the blog post and chime in. I would love to hear your thoughts there. And otherwise, we will talk again next week.